Matched with this girl on Tinder. She was a college student. How old were you at the time? I was probably 24. Okay. Maybe 24, 25. It was when I was living in my first apartment in Nashville. So this was at least probably, maybe this is like a year of me being into Nashville. Okay. So and how old is she? You said she's college age, but yeah, what age probably is that? Yeah, probably... 21 maybe right. 22 she was old enough to drink okay so you match with her i match with her we go down um she's like i want to let's meet on broadway because my friend's going there tonight okay and she had this uh like this just like floozy friend she was just what do you real, mean by floozy just real like party slut you know what i mean she's oh Jesus, party slut. She wanted to go. She was like the chick, the kind of chick that was like, I want to go down to Broadway and I want to meet a dude. And I want to fuck him. Nice. So good for her. Good for her. Good for her. You know, but I, there's more to that too. Okay. Okay. So I'm just gonna tell. I'll just tell you about this this first night. So this first night we go down there. I'm like, okay, this girl probably wants to to fuck me. So I, I get down to Broadway. It was at Tequila Cowboy before it was Jason Aldean's. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. And the only time I've ever gone down to Broadway historically was I was like, I'm going to be able to get laid. Um, mm-hmm. And we go, we agree to go down there. You know, this girl was talking to me. We were just talking over Tinder. She tells me she's on her college's wrestling team with mm. all dudes. So there's not a female wrestling team. She's the only chick on the wrestling team. Okay. So <laughs> I, I I don't have anything to say because I don't know what to think of that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I guess that's normal. I don't know. We go down to Broadway. We meet. I get a couple of Coors Lights, which is not, as you know me, I, I don't really, I'm not like a drinker drinker, you know? Yeah. So I drink like two beers, maybe three beers. I buy her a drink. We go outside because everything's starting to shut down. So it's getting towards the end of the night. Okay. And we go in this alleyway. It's oh, me, shit. her, her, uh, her friend, and some guy that she met out on Broadway. So you guys are just about to have an orgy. Pretty much. But what yeah. it, what ends up happening? So they end up going behind a dumpster. And like her friend and this dude go behind a dumpster and they are finger blasting. They are fucking, you can hear it. You can hear them off in the distance, just like making noise and shit. And we're, we're not too far away. We're like making out like in this alleyway. And I was like, well, are we like, you want to go back to my place? I was like, I'm not about to fuck this girl in an alleyway. I've done a lot of, degenerate shit but i was like i'm not gonna but you wouldn't fuck a girl behind a dumpster i'm not saying i wouldn't okay i'm saying i wasn't going to that night yeah okay all right so she's like no not tonight but let's hang out later this weekend and come over to your place so basically she was just screening me out to make sure i wasn't a serial killer so while she was talking to you could you hear this other girl being finger blasted oh yeah i mean we were making out while all this was going on yeah okay so um I knew that I was gonna get, I was gonna get laid. So I was like, I'm not. You're excited. I was excited. I'm like, I'm not gonna jerk off because I don't want to, uh, you know, bust too soon. Right. The old fucking strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 
we uh she comes over to my place uh, I, I also didn't have a car then too i didn't have a car uh, okay always tricky situation comes comes over to my place it comes to the ladies mm-hmm. um so she comes over we go to like Publix, and we get we get stuff to make dinner and she's driving she's driving yes wow she came, she picked me up. You got a up. wrestler chick driving you around. Yep. Okay. And then um, <laughs> we made dinner. We probably watched something on like Netflix or something. I don't even remember. I don't think there was much. Was this girl, can I ask you, was this girl very like muscly? Like what does a wrestler girl look yeah, like? Yeah. She, she, she wasn't like, you wouldn't see, see her and be like, she's jacked, but she was, you could feel her strength, dude. <laughs> you can feel her strength like this girl could have killed me easy dude and did that just help pitch your tent like you were i didn't really feel feel any kind of way about it i was just like well you know maybe if 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 i fuck her she won't she won't kill me Uh uh-huh but um that was a turn on uh, I, mean, I don't know if it was a turn on, but <laughs> okay. I was just I was just trying to get laid, dude. Okay. This was a fucking option for me to get okay. laid, so I was like, I'm gonna do this. Okay, I was just curious, and I was like, plus Keep she going. might have like a super pussy or something like that if she's a wrestler. Who knows? True. Yeah, I- I'm not saying you're wrong. So you go to Publix, you get uh, stuff we, to eat. We get stuff to make to make fucking dinner. We go back to my place. Uh, eventually, uh, also, I didn't have any furniture in this apartment. Oh, my, so I had I had my bed, and that was my furniture. And I also had this blow up mattress, like the one that you have in here, yeah. and that was my couch. Oh, interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't have anything. Yeah. This- so this was not long after I actually moved into this place. Uh huh. Um. So I start a, uh, you know, we start making out finger blasting doing doing all that kind of a thing and um (laughs) we uh, we go to fuck i hadn't come in a really long time i don't know like how long this this might have been two or three weeks because i was already on a streak of holy shit i was like i'm gonna try this is gonna help me get laid if i if i don't do anything see if you had asked my advice i would have been like that's you're playing with fire at that point you're waiting too long and that's what this situation was. <laughs> so so <tell> me. <laughs> we we start we fuck all of that. I was wearing a condom this night, mm. which uh, you know, in that point in my life, the reason that I did is because she brought them because she had a latex allergy. I had bought condoms earlier in the day. I was like, I'm gonna need these in case she asked me yeah. to wear one. I want to have yeah. one. So you like threw them. You were buying them. You threw them on the counter. You're like, I'm gonna need these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> How much are these? Can I get a price check? Because <laughs> I'm going to need them. I'm going to need them. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so she's she wanted like a lambskin condom. She was like, I have I have this. I want you to wear a condom. I hear those are better. I've never tried yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a condom is still a condom, dude. You oh, know so I no mean? difference? Yeah, I mean, it's it. there's a difference, but is it, it's like diet soda. Uh, it's it's still soda, dude. Uh, it's yeah. still soda, but it's just yeah. not as sweet. Uh, okay. So All right. <laughs> we fuck, we get close to the end, and mm. she hops off of me, and I'm gonna bagok all over her. You know, <laughs> you're gonna what? Bagok, bagok. Yeah. Uh, okay, continue. <laughs> bagok. Uh, all right. So you know, I pull out and I pull off the condom. She yeah. hops off the. Top Did you just of me. throw it? 
like throw it somewhere? What'd you do? I can't remember why. Are you gonna jerk off to this later or something? No, I just Is wanted to know like detail? what a man you are. Like, uh, I would just fucking thrown it against the wall. I can't so aggressive. I can't remember. Uh, All right, continue. But then I I start to bust, dude. Okay. And right away there is an audible oh, coming out of my Jesus dick. Jesus fuck. The first <laughs> stream hits, it hits her in the face and she's lying next to me. The second stream hits, it hits me in the eye. <laughs> the third so, stream hits, it hits the wall and makes another noise. Wait, so do you have are you not like holding your dick? Like your dick's just going wild? So what it ended up happening. How's it going in so many different directions? I don't know. I still don't know how this happened. I had to put my hands in front of my face. She put her hands in front of her face because it just kept going for a while. So you weren't holding it. You were just like, it's about to happen. Well, she hopped off of me quick. Oh, so you just, yeah. Okay, and I was okay. about to, you know, do the move where I pulled it off and then just all yeah. over. But. That didn't happen in time, dude. I ended, I mean, I ended oh, up coming up Jesus, all dude. over the place, dude. <laughs> it hit me in my left. So it was like, it, was, it hit me in my left eye. It hit the wall in between us and it, hurt, it hit her and she was to the left of me, dude. And she was like, you know, she wasn't coronavirus distance apart, but she was far enough apart to where if she was yeah. like, I'm about to get my face covered. She shouldn't on. have been collateral damage. She should not have been collateral damage. She yeah. was the first hit, dude. Yeah. And she started laughing and got in her hair. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so yeah, I uh, came on my face and on hers. It just went every, all over the walls and all shit? All over the wall, too, yeah. How long? How long did like the, the did orgasm last? last? Yeah, how long did the, the battle last? I would probably say between 20 and 30 seconds. <sighs> That's intense, dude. Uh, I mean, I have two things to say about that. A, I mean, you were playing with fire waiting two to three weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I, I admit it. I was. Yeah. That's like a health issue at that point. B, I wish I, uh, I wish I didn't know this much about uh, my friend coming, but I do. Candy Mountain. I'm Zachary Lehman. I'm Taylor Berryman. How can people find you, Taylor? You can find me on Facebook, just my name. Uh, the Poptimus Podcast has a new episode out with Brandon Steiner. He's a sports memorabilia mogul, and he bought old Yankee Stadium whenever they built a new one. We talk all about business, entrepreneurship, and how he created the Everything Bagel. He invented the Everything Bagel. Uh wow, that's a big claim. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> people can find that anywhere. Yeah, you can just find that on all the the, the normal streaming. Yeah, the Poptimist on all the okay. normal streaming stuff. Instagram is the underscore Poptimist. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Writing Lehman on Instagram, Facebook as Zachary Lehman. So this week we are on to a m- movie. Do we do we do what? Do we do broadca- broadcasting straight from Big Rock? Yeah, Canada? I did it. You weren't listening. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, it's cool. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay, back to it. No, no, no. This, yeah, back to it. This uh, week we're this, doing. <laughs> this week uh, we're on to a movie. 
Yes. For the artistic uh, endeavor we're talking about. We're talking about I'm Still Here, which I feel like when I say that, not a lot of people know what the fuck I'm talking about. I feel like this movie has been forgotten about, dude. Yes. Uh, Released in, what, 2010? I believe. uh, Starring Joaquin Phoenix, who now everyone knows is uh, the Joker. But back in the day, this was 10 years ago. I mean, really, when the project first started, this was like 12 years ago. But uh, yeah, I'm Still Here was... Began as... It's hard to explain. Now that I'm like explaining this, I'm like, God, in the world we live in today, it's hard to make it come across how weird this was at the time. It was it was very weird. Because uh, we were in... I was in high school. Yeah. Well, I was, you were in high school when it first started. When it first started, because we were Joaquin Phoenix fans. Of course. Even, Signs, even back Gladiator, then. Yeah. Because that was one of the first movies we, we both talked about loving was Signs. Yeah. Great Mel movie. Gibson, Joaquin yes. Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix is great in it. He's just uh, maybe the most talented actor of his generation. Yes. Agreed. But one day, he decided to say, uh, I- I'm retiring from acting. And then he decided to grow a big beard. And then he gave an infamous interview on David Letterman. Yes. And again, it's hard to make it come across how big of a deal this was at the time because... Nowadays, think about if, if Walking Phoenix did this today, it would not be a big deal. It would not even make news because people troll all the time, right? Should I shut that off? Okay. Uh, people troll all the time. Make up fake characters. Our president's a troll. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trolling is normal. It's mainstream. This was in the infancy of trolling. Yeah. This, I call this the days of Charlie Sheen. Well... Not only that, this is really the beginning too of social media yes. becoming big. Yeah, Twitter was not Twitter, Instagram. Facebook was big, but it's it, it was, was very back different. when very different. People would say like so on your status update, it would be like Taylor Berryman is feeling whatever. Or you, you know? post song lyrics or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was like the days when like MySpace was still kind of like in the conversation. Yes. You know what I mean? So anyway. Joaquin Phoenix says, I'm retiring from acting, grows this big beard. You keep seeing reports about him kind of losing his mind. He does this infamous David Letterman interview where he seems very crazy. No one could tell what was happening. Uh, Some people went, this is a hoax. This is some kind of weird art project he's doing. Some people, we'll talk about it later, but uh, Dr. Drew, people like that would like diagnose him publicly because they were like, he's having a very serious meltdown. He basically said, I'm retiring from acting two time Academy award nominee. Yep. And he was like, I'm going to start a rap career. Yes. Which the guy who plays Johnny Cash, if he says I'm going to start a music career. Yeah. Cause he was already like, Johnny Cash by this point. That was the other saying in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, All right. I, I guess I can see that. But then he's like, it's going to be rap. Yeah. And you're like, Oh fuck. But at the time, we were into it because, I mean, I know I was into it, not because I was like, is he faking it? Is he not? I was just like, it doesn't matter. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it this was. Is we, were, awesome. we, were both, we were both attracted to it for the same reason, because it was insane. Yeah. He was behaving like an insane person. Which we would go to, <clears throat> excuse me. Too many dicks last night? Yeah, sorry. I sucked a dick right before this. <clears throat> so we would find out that he... This was all fake. It was all for this movie, I'm Still Here. But that would be a year and a half later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did you think it was fake? 
Did you think it was real? At the time. When it first started happening, what did you think? I, I, I thought he was having a mental episode, but I was into it. I think I was the same way because this was also around the time of Charlie Sheen. And he was having a very real episode, and I was also into it. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, when he was doing shows and stuff, I was like, I want to go. Um, so I, I still, there was like an artistic appeal to me about the whole thing. Even if he was just an artist going crazy, or he was an artist commenting on going crazy. You know what I mean? It didn't really matter to me. So anyway, uh, the movie eventually comes out. We find out Walking Phoenix is completely normal. Blah, blah, blah. But by this point, again, like you said, the movie's been pretty much forgotten. Because when it came out, I feel like there had just been so much hype around it. It sort of died. He was he because, was a lot in the news those years prior for all of this shit. Though. And it was more about that for people than the actual movie they created. And when we saw it, that news was still fresh to us. So you could watch it from a perspective of like, oh, wow, what's real, what's not real. But rewatching it, now living in a world where like trolling is just fucking. Plus, we now know also that Joaquin Phoenix is extremely dedicated to to his like his craft, and he he's a method actor like big time. You know, like oh yeah, I mean maybe the last method actor left, yeah, big one at least. So yeah, now we see it from that perspective, but it's interesting. Did you rewatch this at all in the last 10 years before you rewatched no. it for this podcast? This is podcast? the first time I saw this movie and probably no joke 10 years. I think I had rewatched it once, maybe twice in the last 10 years. And it was the same experience rewatching it this time is I didn't get to look at it from the perspective of, wow, all these news stories are fresh in my head. Like, is Walking Phoenix crazy? Is he pulling a prank? I just watched it as a film with a character named Joaquin Phoenix, mm -hmm. which I actually think is the best way to watch it, to not have those news stories in your head. Because I think without all that, even with that, it's a great film, but then without all that, it's a great film on another level, just script wise, character wise. So that's why I think it's a good pick. I mean, not only for the story behind it, but because even standing alone it's a hell of a piece of work by a rising artist. The fact that he would decide to do this, he was 35 at the time, I think. And even if you sort of sabotage your career and then you come out and you tell everyone like, oh, it was all a joke. I was just making a movie. It's like, that's still a little detrimental to your image and Has your career. Has he ever even said like publicly this was a, this was a joke? Has he ever yes. even acknowledged it? Yeah. He he didn't say it was a a joke. I mean, he said that it was a basically a comment on celebrity culture at the time. And like one of the things he said was he was inspired by reality shows. He started watching a lot of reality oh, TV. You know what? That makes sense. And he said uh, he couldn't believe that people thought reality TV was reality just because they called it reality. Yeah, he's like these are just bad actors. And he's like, well, shit, I can do that. And so him and Casey Affleck, who directed it. His brother-in-law at the time. His brother-in-law at the time, uh, also a big actor. They kind of concocted this story and for whatever reason decided to do all this real-life shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you can argue it hurt the movie, it helped the movie, whatever. I'm saying the movie itself is fucking phenomenal. So that's why it's a pick this week. 
Let's fucking get into it. Let's get in. I'm still here. So the film opens with uh, some home movies. Yes. We of op- him when he was a kid. Him when he was a kid. And Joaquin Phoenix, for people who don't know, when he was a kid, he was in a, a what would you call it? A performing family. Uh, he was in a cult. He was in a cult. His family was in a cult. He was in a cult. I don't know too much about the cult he was in. I know that him and his siblings, though, were performers from a very young age. Uh, his brother, River Phoenix, died very young. But yeah, they would perform as kids. So you see, basically, it opens with him at some kind of watering hole with what appears to be his dad. And it takes a long time, but we see him go to the top of this rock. And it's like this very tiny waterfall. And we wait and we wait and we wait. And eventually he jumps off. And then we're in the movie. And then we see images of him performing with his siblings. We hear about the Phoenix family. Then we see all this media footage, him on talk shows, him winning, you know, him being a, an award star for Walk the Line. At his, the time, his rise of celebrity. He was he, like, he was just starting to get acclaim as like one of the best in Hollywood. And that's why this was risky because this was not long after no. Walk the Line. And Walk the Line was arguably, I mean, that was his biggest fucking role. Yeah. Because sure. he killed it as Johnny Cash. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was fucking Johnny Cash. You go to the fucking Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, there's an entire section for Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line. That's how fucking significant that role was. And this was not long after. So we see a lot of that footage. And one of the things I love about this movie is a lot of the transitions are media footage. A lot of the transitions when you, you go from one big spot in the movie to the next it's media footage which this film has a lot to say about the media's coverage of celebrities uh so we watch this home movie footage we kind of get caught up with who walking phoenix is <laughs> then we see him he's basically alone in a park beard not quite so long yet just starting to he's grow. just starting to grow it starting to grow his hair out uh and he's ranting about celebrity Saying, you know, he's been in a self-imposed prison of characterization. Very Hollywood stuff. And he's just ranting and ranting, which again, becomes more and more common. His thoughts become more and more incoherent throughout the film. It's a very stream of consciousness, like, style of film. Yeah. Um, He's ripping cigs. Ripping cigs, dude. (laughs) Yep. Ripping cigs. Uh he says, uh, like, well, like one telling line is, I, I don't want to play the character of Joaquin anymore. And he's talking about this impending retirement, which he hasn't announced yet. Yes. And so, again, the, the, the layers of reality are, to make it clear, this is a documentary and it's not a documentary. Joaquin Phoenix is playing a character named Joaquin Phoenix. Just like reality TV, his thing was, these are all, they're all playing characters. The reason you think it's real it's is because it's them. They go by their name. So he's playing a character named Joaquin Phoenix who lives his life but is now thinking about retirement because he's trapped in celebrity. So he can be a rapper. Yes. Uh, He says one great thing. He says, uh, hate me or like me, just don't misunderstand me, which is a very celebrity thing to say. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, who gives a shit about you? Only a celebrity could say that. Only someone in the public eye could say that. Like, one thing like he says, uh, my life uh, is becoming a film after getting out of film. Whenever they, I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit here, but that was one thing that no, go for it. That stuck out to me because they, um, they do that play. 
That's like one of the first things that happens. Yeah, that's basically... We, we keep hearing him ranting. Next scene, we see him catch a bat as he's continuing to ra- uh, uh, rant about uh, acting being you're basically a puppet. And then, yes, we're at a Paul Newman tribute show. Yes, a charity show. Which is where we see him first announce. Well, but very minor meltdown. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about it is it's a Paul Newman show because at the time, Paul Newman had just died. And uh, Newman's uh, Newman's own, by the way. Celebrated actor. Celebrated uh, pizza maker. Celebrated <laughs> dressing maker. <laughs> yeah, dressing. Good dressing. Um, so they're at this tribute show, and it's the first red flag is that when he goes to this tribute show, A, he knows nothing about the play they're doing, and B, the night is about him. He's very upset because Casey Affleck has a bigger role than he is. Yeah, yeah, like when he's uh, he shows up, he knows nothing. He didn't read the script. And he sees Casey Affleck, the director, who's also playing Casey Affleck. Um, he finds out that he's going to be on stage the entire time. And he says to someone next to him, he's like, I kind of downplayed that. Danny DeVito's. Standing, standing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which and is just like this. This guy who does not look at all like Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought that too. <laughs> like, he, he looks like the opposite of Danny DeVito. Yeah, and uh, Joaquin has a great line later. I- I'm jumping around too, but when he's yelling at Casey about being the lead in this play, he goes like, "You have a scene with with Sean Penn with this person, this person." He's like, "No offense, dude. I'm fuck. I got a scene with Danny DeVito." <laughs> As if it's a bad thing, you know what I mean? So, and he, the, the Danny DeVito stand in is the first one he tells, Yeah, I'm retiring from acting. This is my last show. Which, red flag that, why would you say that at this charity event? Yes. He's, you know he, what I mean? He's selling the fact this is the last thing I'm ever going to do. Yeah. So, we already have a red flag of this guy is starting to get too wrapped up in his own world. At you know? the time, though, do you think like Danny DeVito stand in? Did he think it was a troll? Did he think Joaquin was trolling? Well, okay, so that's the thing. Who he interacts with in this movie, it's not clear how many of them knew it was a movie and how many of them didn't. Yes, that he was being serious. So I'm kind of s- gonzo. I'm going to say he didn't know because we'll get to the Letterman interview later. And I'll say right now, Letterman didn't know. So some people, I can tell the way they perform their scenes. They had to know. Yeah. Some people, uh, I don't know. Because again, they were trying to keep this a secret. They were, yes. they were not they trying wanted to, to sell it. Yeah. They really wanted people to think Joaquin was retiring. And to give people perspective... This comes up later in the movie, but Joaquin for a long time, almost two years, was a fucking joke. Like, if you turned on late night or you turned on an award show, he was being made fun of. It is beard. They were calling him homeless looking. Yeah, it was all about his beard and he He's going crazy. couldn't talk right. So, I don't know. I, I think a lot of people didn't know. Danny DeVito standing? Uh, I'm going to say he didn't know. Yeah. I'm going to say he didn't know. Because then he, uh, uh, this happens. He's doing the scene with Danny DeVito standing. Danny DeVito standing keeps doing an accent. He keeps going, why are you doing an accent? Like he's mad. Like, 
the fuck? And then he gets all fucked up. And he's like, we see one of his and first. he's basically like, I can't work like this. Yeah, we see one of his first manic episodes where he's like, I, the guy's doing an accent. It's just fucking me up. I can't do it. So I don't think he, I don't think he knew. But I also think if you're Danny DeVito standing, you probably don't have a lot of worries in life. So you don't give a fuck. And then the, I think the next scene is it starts cutting more to the cut scenes of like, the news talking about him and it all well that's after he announces yeah and after the show he says to extra which we remember this this was when the news cycle kicked off he yes. said this is gonna be my last show i'm retiring he was with casey affleck so after that yeah we do go to we cut to him talking to his agent and his agent is visibly upset while he's re recording yeah his, I don't think his agent was in on it because his agent, he was like telling his agent. Oh, you don't think so? I don't think his agent knew, at least initially, because he's like, you want to, so you don't want me to take any scripts or read any scripts yeah. for you. He was like, saying well, shit like Well, within reason. Like, yeah. Yeah. He talks to his publicist, his agent, has a fight with Casey um, about this whole retirement thing. And yeah, I mean, we, this is where we're supposed to buy into. I, I guess, again, I, I kind of think his agent had to know. But I could I don't be wrong. Think they, I could be wrong. I don't think initially they did know. I think he told them after the fact. So after his meeting with the agent, this is also when we hear him rap for the first time. Yes. Because we start getting some shots. His hair's starting him. to grow out now a little bit. Yeah, his now his beard's growing out a little bit more. His hair's in. messy. His hair's looking like a fucking bird's nest, which it just looks like more and more throughout the movie. But we hear him just sort of rapping to himself. He's got, you know, handwritten papers like Eminem and 8 Mile. And we hear the raps, and um, they're not great. They're not bad. They're very aggressively mediocre. Yes. I'll say that. Like, it's very clear that they're trying to be mediocre. But at the, at the same time, I'll say this. When I thought this shit was going on and I thought it was real... I said, I'm going to buy his fucking album. Yeah, I remember that. I don't yeah. care how bad it is. I am buying JP's album. Because that's what he was calling himself. He was JP. Calling himself JP. That was his rap name. So we hear him uh, rapping. And then we get to the first performance he has. First live performance. Which, again, he really did do these live performances. He did. Because this footage came out. And I, I, I remember this shit, dude. Because this was like primitive days of the internet. Where you would go online the next day and it would be like, last night, Joaquin Phoenix performed for yep. the first time. It'd be on like TMZ and stuff. And it was like cell phone footage and shit. Mm -hmm. And it was low quality. It was before phones were good. This was back when like flip phones were still, yeah. you know, a normal thing iPhones to were out, but it was not the lay of the land. Not everybody no, no, had no, no. iPhones in like 2009, 2010. So he does this show. It's not really a... A big show. It's just him basically rapping in a crowd. Yeah. Trying to get some cred. It doesn't go well. He keeps saying, like, the tempo's off. He, he stumbles over. blaming everything else. Stumbles over his own words. And then we see him in the parking lot with his friend Matt, um, who's also an actor. And he's bitching about, you know, the show didn't go well. And there's this funny scene where his friend's trying to, like, talk sense to him. Not telling him to quit, but just to be like, you know, you people just see you as like a rich actor trying to do this and he starts rapping to his friend but he does it for an awkward amount of time like he just starts spitting lines for maybe like 30 seconds and his friend's just like yeah 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 
And then he goes, yeah, that was great. Joaquin's like, I don't need you to tell me it was great. Like, he already knows it was great. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, my point is, I'm not talking about being an actor. I'm like a real rap artist. And again, when you watch this, if you didn't know it was fake, I mean, it is pretty convincing. I mean, yeah. he is a fucking He's great a actor. actor. Yeah. Even in this, even when other people seem a little fake, Joaquin convinces you. He's having a fucking breakdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. So has his first performance. Goes bad. Um, he raps to his friend. And then he's talking to Casey. He's Again, this is something we'll see throughout the movie. Every time something goes bad, shit rolls downhill. He blames everybody else. And we just see scenes of him screaming at his assistants, which his assistants, by the way, it starts out, he has like five. And by the end, he has like one. <laughs> But he'll just scream at them. He'll scream at Casey. And that's what he does. He's, he, he's yelling at Casey. He's yelling at everybody. And then we get into the possibility of P. Diddy producing this album. Which this says something about celebrity culture. He's just getting into rap. And he's sitting there talking with two assistants. And he goes, uh, they go, what about Dr. Dre? What about Rick Rubin? And he says... Dr. Dre, he said it'll be a Dre album if Dre does it. Right. He's literally criticizing the possibility of Dr. Dre producing his album. Who is the best hip-hop producer. I mean, Dr. Dre time. and Rick Rubin. Yeah. Those are literally the two biggest fucking rap producers. An argument could be made for either one of them. Yes. Rick Rubin produced Johnny Cash, by the way. Oh, wow. I did not know that. He, he was the one who produced... Uh, I mean, he's pretty much produced everyone, I he's guess. Produced, uh, he produced uh, Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. To tie it back into last week's oh, episode. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice fact. Um, so, yeah. So, he's kind of shitting on the possibility of Dre and Ruben, but they call both of them anyway. Find out they're unavailable. Which, again, this is very celebrity. Like, you're like, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be fucking be myself. And then you think, like, your first rap album should be produced by Dre or Rick fucking Ruben. Yeah. So, finds out they're unavailable, but finds out P. Diddy. Mr. Sean Combs, Mr. Uh, ex-friend of uh, Tupac, may be available. Actually, ex-friend of Biggie Smalls. Yes, I'm B- wrong. Biggie, Biggie Smalls is Yes, producer. you are 100% right. He, Biggie Smalls' friend, my bad. So, <clears throat> finds out he might be available. Which, uh, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, Mr. Combs, at the time... They they were he was talking about it. He was it seems like he's hesitant to meet with Joaquin Phoenix because oh, he yeah. doesn't know if it's a troll, but he probably respects him as an artist. This it basically for a while turns into a road movie where they're chasing P. Diddy around the country. Yes. Because at first, P. Diddy is not saying, I'm gonna produce you. He's just sort of vaguely saying I'll, I'll take meet a with you because it's Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. So why wouldn't he? Yeah. But Joaquin Phoenix takes it as this guy's going to produce my fucking album. Yes. So he finds out P. Diddy is going to be in New York. P. Diddy does not say he's going to meet with him. He just says, I'm going to be in New York for like three days. So he's kind of saying like, if you're there too, yeah, we'll grab a drink or whatever. I don't think he knows the extent of why he wants to meet him. Yes. So he, uh, walking JP, he flies off to New York. Uh, we see a brief scene with him. He runs into Mos Def, 
another very talented rap yes, artist on a plane on the plane and then they talk in the airport afterwards and Mos Def is like many people in this movie he's like uh you're retiring you're getting in a rap and Mos Def has a great reaction I, I I I really don't know if Mos Def was in on this maybe he was I don't think he was but he had a great reaction because Joaquin Phoenix is trying to exp- explain his his debut album he's like oh, I just wanted to be epic man and Mos like, Def is just like epic He's like, uh, epic, epic, uh, epic is good. You know, like it's someone very desperately trying to be positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is this guy fucking with me or is he not? Yes. Which happens a lot in this movie. So he goes off to meet, uh, Diddy, which this will be one of the many times that the Diddy, the Diddy attempt does not work. No. But what do, what do they? Is this when they have that little party there at the apartment? Well, in we're New York? we're getting to that. Before we get to that, let's talk about snow angels for a second. Yes, snow <laughs> angels. In a yeah. Park and Walking Phoenix goes. He just starts making a snow angel. Which, by the way, just to say, so we don't have to say it later, throughout this movie, uh, Joaquin will be doing a lot of cocaine. Uh, he'll be drinking a lot. He'll be doing a lot of marijuana. Mary J. He just does a snow angel. One of his assistants, Larry, oh, which we should say earlier, we met Anthony. Anthony. Another assistant who we find out is a like a washed up musician living in like a sober living house. And he, it, I mean, he's Joaquin's assistant, but we can tell Joaquin's kind of taking advantage of him. And throughout the movie, we hear him playing piano and singing. And we kind of go like, oh shit, he's like a real musician. Yeah. You know what I mean? But his other assistant he's got a big dick too. He's got a big dick. We'll we'll get to that later too because we see uh, we see Anthony's dick a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, but Larry is the other assistant, and they're in the park in New York. And Joaquin makes a snow angel, and he says to Larry, who's obviously a grown man, he doesn't want to make a snow angel. He says, "Make a snow angel, dude." Make a snow angel. But then by like the third time, he gets up. He lunges up like he's going to hit Larry. He's like, make a fucking snow angel. And they keep saying, like, make a snow angel. Make a snow angel. And this is, again, a a sign of his manicness, but also a sign that, and this could be part of his celebrity, JP is forcing peace into his life. He's doing something very innocent like making a snow angel. And in his warped head, he's like, this is what's going to bring me tranquility. This, this makes is me normal. Yeah. But he's forcing it. Yeah. Because then he's like, make the fucking snow angel. <laughs> like threatening violence. You know what I mean? And he doesn't understand that that's part of his like celebrity privilege. But he can't recognize that yet. He, he's too wrapped up in like, no, dude, I'm fucking real. I made a snow angel. You make a snow angel before I fucking kick your ass and fire you. So we see him make snow angels. Uh, did he, oh well, we do see Anthony's dick. Is that the first shot of his dick? Yeah, I think the first shot of his dick is when he's got the towel and he's doing like the trick. We kind of quickly see. Well, it. the first shot is is random. Oh, the it's bathtub. The bathtub. That might have been... Because a, you're just like, why is why are they showing this guy in a bathtub? And then he gets up and it just shows his dick. Yeah. I, and I, I forgot. I forgot that that was... That this was a thing in this movie. Yeah. And that that first scene, I'm like, why did they just randomly show that guy? Yeah. Dick? I didn't remember that at all. So that was them kind of partying a little bit. 
that was our first dick. Our second dick is Anthony. He's kind of playing with a towel, like showing off his dick. And they're like smacking each other with the towel and shit. Well, then it's Joaquin. He basically takes the towel and he just starts beating the shit out of yeah. Anthony. Like he thinks it's funny. Again, just like abusing his assistants. Yeah, Because yeah. he, he doesn't understand. So that's dick number two. Uh, <laughs> Diddy cancels. Uh, then the media storm starts because he finds out someone close to him has said that this is all a hoax, all a joke. Um, but obviously this was probably Casey and Joaquin messing with the media, right? Yeah. Cause they're also commenting on the media yes. and their fucking obsession with this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, I think they're one of their points is like, just stop taking the media so seriously. So we see that, um, Oh, and then uh, another ranting Joaquin scene, which he says, uh, which this, I, I thought this was a good show of what manicness is. Because when you're in these manic periods, 99% of what you say is bullshit. 1% of what you say is brilliant. And he says, uh, is, is it that your dream is unattainable or is it that you have the wrong dream? Which I thought that was a really good line. And it was also squeezed in between, like, all this manicness bullshit. Uh, then we get to the ordering the hookers. He's on the computer. Walking. Looking them up online. <laughs> Walking is a kid in a candy store. He's just like, look at him. And he says, this bitch is going to get a storm. <laughs> this bitch doesn't even know what a storm she's going to get. Like, And when he says it, though, he's so ex- you can tell it's a guy who's just like, I got to come. He de- and this shows, too, how unself-aware he is at the time. Because fucking cameras are on you. Yes. And he is just unhinged looking at these girls. He says, uh, I, want to, I want to smell her butthole. He does, yeah. And he's just like, if I can only do one thing tonight, just let me smell her fucking butthole. Like, he's going crazy. Yeah. Doesn't even think about the cameras being near him. Which, starts, if you're an actor, you Starts would. doing coke. Does coke, a kid in a candy store. Uh, he's doing coke. He's acting crazier. The, the hookers show up. He's, the hookers show up. and um, <laughs> Also, this is when he talks about shitting on Anthony for like the second time. But this is a running theme. He talks about shitting on Anthony's face a lot, his assistant. Mm-hmm. He has a weird obsession with dropping a deuce on this guy's face. So he talks about that a lot. Um, and we even have a scene. Anthony's playing piano. He sounds very, very good. And we just hear fucking Joaquin, supposedly a guy who wants to be a musician. He's just getting high. And then he comes in and he sings. They sing together, but it's pretty clear who's the musician and who's yeah. not. You know what I mean? Uh, and then, yeah, we get the third dick. Anthony shows his dick to the hookers. Well, he like walks towards the hookers with his pants down and his, and his dick out. out yeah and the the hookers are naked one has big tits and they're like they're just like it's just debaucherous basically yeah and he's got a practical joke penis yeah and, and it's used as a joke it's used as a joke the the one of the hookers says uh you have kids and then you, she's like you should you should and she was just talking about his dick it was kind of weird but it was funny yeah. The whole thing was funny. Yeah. I mean he does have a unusually large dick. Milhouse, what did you what did you think of uh Yes, because according the, to one dicks. According to one person on Man of Science, Man of Faith, this guy did not have a big dick. I mean, it was big, it was like average. 
You know? Oh my god! I thought it was Millhouse was very uncomfortable the first time. That first <laughs> time he got out of the tub, I felt I could see Millhouse out of the corner of my eye. He was visib- visibly uncomfortable. When he why? Was why were you uncomfortable? There was shock factor to that, dude. I was why? Like, well, I wasn't expecting that. It's one. just a dick. Well, yeah, but I, we were watching a Joaquin Phoenix movie. I was have you ever Have you ever seen a dick before, Millhouse? Well, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you've watched, I, I, I you've don't watched know. porn before, right, Millhouse? Why did it make you uncomfortable though? It just shocked me. It's not. Why that did it made... shock you? Why does a penis shock you? <laughs> Why does it affect you? In any I wasn't way? expecting it. Uh, I definitely. Why was... would you be expecting it? Well, I just I wasn't expecting to see a dick in that movie. <laughs> so when you see tits, are you shocked? I'm not as shocked. Why? Because usually I don't go and see a movie and there's a dick in it. You know. <laughs> it was <sighs> shocking. Do you not agree? Were you expecting there to be a dick in it when you watched it? I don't have any thoughts about whether there will or will not be dicks in movies I watch. Like, if a dick pops up, I just go, oh, shit, there's a dick. (laughs) I was laughing, and I I could see, I looked over at Milhouse, and he was just... He was like a squirming. Oh, did he not laugh at the dick around. scenes? No, he was because all the dick scenes are played for. They're played for comedy because it's mostly JP pointing at his dick, and, and he's like, like, "Look at how look, look at how big it is." <laughs> <laughs> so I laughed every time. Yeah. Oh, you had no. You found no comedy in that Millhouse. It was funny, but I, I, you I, weren't I just, acting like it was okay. funny. Yeah. Well, that's just because I'm the third shocked. dick. I will say that by the time the third dick happened, he started laughing. Because he's like, I got to do what's normal. <laughs> Taylor keeps laughing. <laughs> Taylor thinks this is funny, and there's well, a By the third dick, dick I was screen. like, this is funny. All right, fair so enough. they put three dicks in it, you know. So, the first so three dicks is good for you. Well, it's funny. One by dick's the, not good, but three dicks dick is good funny. for you. <laughs> yeah. Once you get to three dicks, Milhouse is in. One dick, he ain't in. He's not interested. Yeah. Three dicks, three dicks and above. Millhouse is ready to Sign fucking up, party. Dude. Yeah. We got you, bud. So uh, next we see, well, we see him sucking on this girl's big titty. Doing coke off of him. Doing coke as we're listening to a voice message that Diddy is no longer in New York. We found out that it was kind of canceled. Now it's like, he ain't in New York. He's in Miami. So what does JP do? Off to Miami. Yeah, to go to Miami. <laughs> Which Miami? Very debaucherous place. Oh yeah, of course. The most maybe the most debaucherous place in America. The the character of Joaquin Phoenix that he plays in this movie would fit in very well in a lot of Florida. You know what? Looking thinking back on this now, I remember being down in Miami and off one of the highways there. There was a stencil of Joaquin Phoenix on the side of a random building. With his hair all crazy like that, and in the sunglasses, you know, like the famous the image from the movie, the poster. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember that. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I can see, I can see Miami celebrating yeah, this downfall. They were like, this is this is <laughs> what we're interested in. Which this is where, not to skip ahead, this is where he does a couple shows. Is Miami? So he finds out Diddy's in Miami. He goes there, and one of the things I love about this movie is. Joaquin's physical appearance gets worse and worse, but it's more because he's trying less and less. Yes. Like he starts getting fat. Starts getting but even he's not even like super fat. It's beer gut. It's 
like he could still come across as good looking. It's all the other shit. Like he literally in this next scene, he goes to this uh, Miami. He like tours this club or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, you should come play a show or whatever. He literally gets out of the shower. His hair's wet. And he makes this like haphazard ponytail. But it's not even a real ponytail. And you're just like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? He looks like literally. I mean, he looks like a drug addict. Yes. In every fucking scene. He looks like he's too high to put himself together. So he goes there. Goes to see Diddy. Because he finds out he can go see Diddy. Shows up late. And in uh, what he says is an embarrassing moment. He's trying to drive into Diddy's home. But he's late and Diddy's leaving. And they have to back up out of the driveway to let Diddy leave. And then he sort of spirals after that. Yes. Literally, I mean, we've seen this guy verbally abuse so many people. But he texts Diddy. I'll, uh, he says something like... Uh, you tell me I'll be wherever you need me to, sir. Like he's all in on I need Diddy to produce this album. Diddy actually gets back to him. He's actually in the same hotel. He says, Come to this room, which is telling you how little he's taking this, how not serious he's taking this. Goes to see him in his room. It's clear that Diddy doesn't even know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. He's just like He's he- trying to decide whether or not it's a troll. You could tell he's like well, P. Diddy's a smart guy. He's not stupid. Well, I think even at the beginning, it's less that. It's more him like, he's just even unaware of what's going. He's just like, this is just Joaquin Phoenix and Casey Affleck. Like, he says to Casey Affleck, he's like, what was that movie you were in? And he's like, that was dope or whatever. It was like Gone Baby Gone or something. Yeah. And he just keeps saying to them, like, what's going on, boys? Because he's just like... I, I like he's like I just don't know why you're here. And he's he asked about the cameras too. He's like, why are these cameras here? Yeah, he's mad about the cameras. Um, and then uh, he goes. They finally talk about the music, and I love this is very P Diddy. This is very '90s rap. He's like, uh, you got money. That's his that's main his, point. That's his yeah. That's yeah. like his big thing is you got the money to do this right. His main point is like you need money. Like, am I going to walk up to the film industry not have any money if I want to make something? Yeah, because he's like, you got to pay for craft services. You got to pay yep. for cameramen. And I, I love it when JP's like, uh, well, how much you need? And he goes, how much you got? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that, dude. So he has that little meeting. Um, basically tells him, you know, we'll meet in a few days. But very non-committal. But JP takes it as... This motherfucker's producing my album. Yes. You know what I mean? Even though he never even gets an answer about like, how much money do you need? Let's sign a contract, blah, blah, blah. Um, then we see a little Miami club shit. He's with Jamie Foxx and Brett Ratner and all these other people. He's being sort of celebrated as Joaquin Phoenix, not as JP. Yeah. Um, then we see, you know, he has another party with two girls. Uh, I love the next cut when he's partying with these girls, and it's very That's quick. That's a great scene. Great the, scene. Like, technical, like, director shit. Because you don't hear anything. You're just, it's moving very fast. Um, and then, but I love when it stops. It cuts to, we're back at JP's house, and two dogs are fucking. Yes. Great outside. Uh, and then he's freaking out. He's on the phone. He says, uh, what the fuck, dude? Ben Stiller's here. Why is Ben Stiller at my house? Ben Stiller in on the joke? Okay, so when Ben Stiller acts in this scene, I think he's in on the joke. I think he's in on it too. 
But he also made fun of Joaquin Phoenix later. But I mean, I guess that doesn't disregard the fact that he could be in on the joke. Yeah. But the way Ben, I'll say this: I love Ben Stiller. Great yes. actor, great uh, comedic actor. But out of everyone, he was the most obvious. Yes. Where it's like uh, he's kind of acting, which is kind of ironic because when he meets with Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin tells him, "Dude, you're you're playing a part. You're just Ben Stiller." You know what I mean? He calls him out as fake. Yeah. And he's the one person in this movie who I did look at and I was like, this seems fake. He's playing Ben Stiller. It's he's almost trying like, to get him to do the movie uh, Greenberg. Yes, Greenberg, which did turn out to be a real movie. Yes. And uh, Walking Phoenix is funny. He says this many times to his assistants. I'm going to clean up your mess, even though it's his mess. So he goes out, he meets with him. He's got a fucking t-shirt on his head for some fucking reason. He's all bearded now. He's crazy. He's fully in. Oh, yeah. And he's sitting there. And a great line is, um, first it becomes clear he did not read the script. Yes. Because he thinks he's supposed to be Greenberg. But he's actually supposed to be a, a different character. And he tries to play it off. He's like, oh, Larry, his assistant who's sitting there, he's like, Larry told me I was supposed to be Greenberg. And that, that was the character I was focused on. Ben Stiller's like, uh, okay. But then he starts calling Ben Stiller out. And he's like, this is bullshit, man. You're just acting like Ben Stiller. I've been in these meetings before. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm acting like me. Like, what, do I have to put a shirt on my head to be genuine or whatever? And I loved what Joaquin Phoenix said when he starts going. <laughs> he's like, you just, you don't do the movies I want, man. You do movies where, like, like, like cats are in, like, full-body casts and they break all their bones. And he keeps explaining it. Because Joaquin Phoenix big-time vegan. Well, that, that true, I did not think about that, but he was trying to explain that, obviously a reference to There's Something About Mary, but as he's explaining, he starts laughing really hard, yeah. and he goes, oh shit, that is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, I mean, this meeting goes nowhere, yeah. obviously, um, and then we're to, uh, basically he's talking about having no money. He doesn't have money to, to keep going like this. Uh, Diddy hasn't called, which this is a running theme. They call Diddy constantly. Oh, yeah. They call his people constantly. Diddy never returns calls because they're on two different realities. Diddy's like, this is some weird white actor who's just like, I want to be a rapper. And he wants advice every now and then. And Joaquin Phoenix is like, this is my producer. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, then we go to he has after he talks about having no money he makes his first appearance in Vegas Vegas baby gotta go to Vegas uh, this is kind of funny because we see how little he knows about music which this is another thing I, I don't know if we had seen it up to this point when we see this home studio he's built you tell me as a musician but he literally has like his fucking soundboard or whatever. And then right next to him, he has the mic. So he'll like fuck around with the soundboard and then he'll just like go left and sing into the mic. That's not fucking normal, right? I mean, it depends. That just doesn't sound like good quality <laughs> because your mic is right fucking there. Ask producer Millhouse. He, he knows. I don't think go I, ahead, Millhouse. I don't think that's normal. Not at all. Unless you're like a home producer. Like, yeah, I can sit at my desk at my house and do that. But like, if oh, you're sitting in front of a board. But not Joaquin Phoenix, huh? Well, he's sitting in a studio. He should be in like a booth, you know. 
Well, that's what I'm that's saying. What I, like his yeah, mic I'm is just right there, and it's very clear that this is yeah. not like a real studio. Yeah, but he like thinks a, it's a home studio. It's like his garage. It look, very clearly looks like a garage or some shit. But but my point is, it plays into uh, when he goes to do this Vegas show, which obviously they said yes because it's like Joaquin Phoenix. He doesn't understand what a sound check is. And he goes, I ain't doing a fucking sound check. They want a free fucking show. Fuck that. Like, he's just ranting. Because he's like, people are going to be in there and they're going to hear it. Yeah. Which, I don't know. It's your first fucking musical appearance. You may want to do a fucking sound check. Uh, But he clearly does not know what the fuck it is. We see him perform. uh, Probably should have done a sound check. Because. Does not go well. Doesn't sound great. Doesn't sound like he's used to talking to a microphone. He's not keeping up. He's like off beat with the music. It's a disaster. And we see he falls off stage at one point. Um, a few people are interviewed. They think it's a hoax. And some people are like, oh, I dig it or whatever. Um, then we cut to him either sober in a drunken stupor, but he says one of my favorite fucking lines in the movie. He goes, uh, do you think for a fly... Wings are strictly a mode of transportation. Which that's totally like a stone line. Yeah. That was great. And it leads into a nonsense conversation. Then we get into maybe my favorite scene of this movie. Well, before oh, that, go ahead. we start seeing more cutscenes of Holly like all the Hollywood gossip. Yeah, more media. That's a transition. Saying like yeah. P. Diddy's doing the album now. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Which but, we'll find out later is not a lie that he's denying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which also in his head, I think he does think P. Diddy's doing the album. Yes. Uh, then we get into Edward James Olmos. Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, an actor from uh, many things. Uh, Miami Vice, Stand and Deliver, Battlestar Galactica, I think. The newer one. Anyway. He comes to see Joaquin. And it's clear he's there to have like a heart-to-heart. They maybe have some sort of relationship before this. Yes. Because, uh, and Edward James Olmos, a much older actor. Yes. And we can tell when Joaquin is ranting, he even raps to him at one point. We can tell Edward James Olmos is sort of tolerating him, but at the same time, he cares. Yes. On some level, maybe on an empathetic level, or he's just sympathetic towards him. He knows he's a great talent. He recognizes that in him. Yes. Um, But he gave a great speech, and I want to say it word for word so I don't fuck it up. But he sits Joaquin down, and he gives maybe one of the best speeches in a movie ever. And he uh, dips his hand in some water, drops a couple drops on the table. He says to Joaquin, that's you, drops of water, and you're on top of the mountain of success. But one day you start sliding down the mountain, and you think, wait a minute, I'm a mountaintop water drop. I don't belong in this valley, this river, this low, dark ocean with all these drops of water. Then one day it gets hot, and you slowly evaporate into air, way up, higher than any mountaintop, all the way to the heavens. Then you understand that it was at your lowest that you were closest to God. Life's a journey that goes round and round, and the end is closest to the beginning. So if, if, if it's change you need, relish the journey. And when he says this, 
it's not like Joaquin is saying deep things back to him. He kind of says it out of nowhere to Joaquin. Because Joaquin's sort of ranting all over the place, and he just says this. Joaquin sort of, you can tell he's a little emotional from it. But we he references it a couple times during the rest of the movie, and it's clear that he doesn't understand what the fuck Edward no. James Olmos was talking about. Which, what do you think Edward James Olmos was saying? Because this is the central, this is the heart of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I, well, I, I think he is saying... Basically, life is full of peaks and valleys. Sometimes you're going to be up. Sometimes you're going to be down. And those moments when you're down at your lowest, it turns out that you are the closest to what you really are. Those are the most valuable. Those are the most valuable, yeah. And And when your character is tested. Yeah. And I think he's trying to warn him that when you go through these big changes, they're not always good. So don't overvalue the destination because you may not like where you end up. So value the journey always because if you end up in a bad place, it'll still be an experience worth having. Because I think he's recognizing like you ain't a fucking rap artist. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you better start appreciating this journey because otherwise you ain't going to get what you want. Um, So then we get into more ranting from JP and there's a great... There's a great scene. He's reading from a children's book. Uh, some like dream a little dream or some bullshit like that. And he's just reading it. We see him playing paintball at the same time, which I thought was kind of obvious symbolism for him being in this sort of inner battle. But he's reading this book, and it, it very clearly is a children's picture book. And at the end, he goes, uh, it was like it hit him. And he goes, uh, pretty awesome book. Like, it fucking hit him as a piece of art. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It hit him more than the Edward James Olmos fucking speech because he could understand it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, then we start to see, like, more signs of the times where they're in D.C. Because he finds out Diddy's going to the inauguration yes. for Barack Obama. Yes. And again, Joaquin, not invited, just decides to head to D.C. Yes. Takes his two assistants, uh, Larry and Anthony. I don't know what his plan is. He doesn't seem to have any plan because when he gets there, he falls asleep. They can't even wake him up for the inauguration, which, again, kind of showed how wrapped up in his own world he is because he goes there for, whether you liked Obama or not, I mean, it was a major fucking moment for the country, and it doesn't matter to him. Yeah. Not only with him sleeping through it, but the fact that he's just there to see Diddy. Yes. He's like, I don't give a fuck if Obama's president, which I can almost respect. I'm almost like, all right, <laughs> I like that level of disconnect. But uh, so, I'm yeah. I'm a big I'm, fan of Joaquin Phoenix. I couldn't agree more <laughs> with him. Um, so, yeah, he doesn't go to the inauguration because he's not fucking invited. This is a lot of shitting on his assistants because basically. It's their fault that he ended up. In D.C. Yeah. With no, he bought the one-way ticket. And he thinks it's their fault. I mean, he's even ranting to them at one point. He's like, it's your fault. Like, me and Casey just could have took a private jet. You guys are holding us down. Like, what but the ben, fuck? But Ben didn't, because he was talking about Ben Affleck. He's like, Ben didn't want you guys on the jet, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, just making want- shit up. Yeah. Like, um, And this is where we also see, like, how incapable JP is. Because, like, he lights up a cigarette, starts rapping. Oh, he's just ripping. Oh, yeah, so this is his two modes now. Well, three modes. He's 
ranting, and in the middle of ranting, he'll either just start ripping a cig or start rapping. Or both. Or both. Which, again, crazy, but I kind of respect. <laughs> like, that's the thing. He's yelling at them, but then he'll randomly start just like ripping a cig and he'll start just doing lines of a rap and then he'll go back to yelling at them. So he's shitting on them. Uh, <laughs> then we find out, then he's back in uh, LA, I presume, is where he's living. Um, he had a private investigator follow Anthony, Big Dick Anthony. And he thinks he has proof that Anthony's been the one selling Leaking information about it being a hoax. He confronts him. He's singing a song about Anthony as Anthony walks in to his home studio. And uh, yeah, he confronts him. He says, uh, you fucked up my life. You betrayed me, dude. He says it over and over again. Now, was Anthony selling information? Maybe. But everything JP says is explained with pretty reasonable explanations. Like he goes, look at this picture, dude. This is you selling information. And we never hear that the person he's with is a media person. Because Anthony just goes, that's me with Norm, dude. So like Norm is just some friend of his. Yeah. And then later he brings up like a hospital bill or something. He's like, how the fuck are you paying this? He's like, well, I'm, I'm not. I talked to the lawyer this morning. So he thinks he has all this proof. It's up in the air whether he does have proof. Uh, but basically he says, uh, you know, you're fucking up my life, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and Anthony still sticks around. He's still with us for a little while. He doesn't quite fire Anthony, but basically dresses him down. But I think... He starts to fade out a little bit. JP requires people to shit on. Because that's clearly his go-to for making himself feel better. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I love it that he says when he's talking to him. This is like true manicness. He goes, uh, this is the moment where the good guy wins. He's like, I should thank you because you just became the villain of this documentary. <laughs> uh, so then we get... Uh, you know, he's yelling about Diddy again. Oh, and one thing uh, that I love that starts to happen, these sunglasses he wears throughout the movie, they have tape on them. Shitty. I didn't know that. Shitty like masking tape. And later they're going to have more tape on them. They're going to have actual duct tape on them. He refuses to give up these glasses for whatever reason. And it's never acknowledged. And I fucking love that about this movie. So then uh, Diddy finally says he's going to meet with him. After all this shit. And we see him go to meet Diddy. His car literally looks like a homeless person's car. It is just filled with shit. It looks like he's living in his car. He's yeah. going to see Diddy. He's in tatters. He's falling apart. Smoking cigs on the way there. Ripping cigs. He's got his backpack. He's literally going to see him with a backpack. Like a fucking child. So he is getting disconnected from reality. Then we get the scene, Diddy at the studio. Now, a little awkward when he first shows up, because again, Diddy's just like, how's it going? What's up? Plays him in his, some tracks. Again. Not great. Not even average. They're bad. One song is literally him just going, it was something like... Uh, Complification, complification, 
And Diddy, after every song, is just like, all right, enough of that. Play me another one. So after he plays in these songs, Diddy doesn't say anything too negative. He does say, like, you think this is fucking funny? Like, he's trying to measure him out. Like, are you doing this as a joke? And he's like, no, no, no. And he does tell him, I like two of the songs. He's like, third one was a little whack, which I think was the complications one. Yeah. But he was like, and he doesn't give him great advice, but he's like, you know, I think anyone can do anything they set their mind to if they dedicate themselves. And that's when he he also, does Joaquin Phoenix straight up ask him, are you going to work with me? Well, this is where we see how, again, how disconnected from reality he is, because he thinks this conversation is a producer talking to him. But it's him giving him advice. He's like, yeah, out of respect, I respect him for who he is, for, yeah, because he's an, a great, great artist. Diddy recognizes that. But what he says is, he says to Diddy, he's like, "Well, what's next?" He's like, "What? Like, what are you talking about? What's next? Like, you leave? You know what I mean?" Yeah. And he finds out Diddy's like, "You ain't good enough to work with me." Right yeah, now. he's he basically says you're not ready yet. Yeah. Which, again, not negative, not positive. I mean, that is that is him being like, you're obviously a talented guy. You got you, some work to do. If you want to pull this off, you probably can. So this sends him into, I think, his biggest spiral. I think Diddy talking to him, and I'm talking about the character of Joaquin Phoenix. This is what sort of, this is his first reality check. Because then we see his first real moments of depression. He starts losing faith in himself. Because mm-hmm. before he's manic, he's just talking himself up all the time. Now he's very combative. And we see that he has to do this uh, PR campaign for yes. a movie called Two Lovers. Yes. Which again, this is reality mixing with fiction because when he this was a real movie, when he was promoting it, which was what he was promoting on David Letterman, he was giving these insane interviews. And he was saying this shit that we see in the movie mm-hmm. where like interviewers would be like, we, we see one because he starts doing the interviews and we see one guy ask him like, you know, some people say this is a hoax or whatever. And he's like, you know what? Like, fuck you and your smile or whatever. He's like, if you say this is a hoax, it's like you saying my life is a joke. You say my life is a joke. This was shit he was actually saying. The, like the guy was like, didn't know what to say you know what yeah. i mean he's like no no no, no it's not a joke it's not a which joke. again it, it's kind of a comment on the media because the guy at the time is talking about other people saying it's a hoax and joaquin calls him out on it yeah so he's like well you can say it's other people but it's you which you're not wrong walter yeah you know what i mean yeah you're fucking right um so yeah he gets more combative and we do see him start again start losing faith in himself then we get to letterman the big fucking enchilada of this fucking movie because before this movie came out... This this was a big deal. The Letterman interview... And this is probably in the history of Letterman who doesn't host uh, Late Show anymore. But, I mean, this was one of his most infamous interviews because, again, people at the time didn't know if this was real or not. And when Joaquin came on that show, it was fucking... I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. If you want to watch it, it's like 11 minutes or something. Because walking... It's very uncomfortable. But it's it's interesting when we watched that on TV before we saw the movie, before the movie was ever a thing, 
when we saw that on TV, we were just like, what's going on? Like, is walking fucking with him? Is he crazy? He's sabotaging his career either There's way. There's one part where it seems like he tries not to laugh at David Letterman. He, he makes a joke. is like, because David, I can't remember what David Letterman said, but Joaquin almost starts laughing. He almost breaks the Unabomber. Yeah, you see him smile. He says, how'd you uh, enjoy your time with the Unabomber? You see him smile. He does, and then he takes a sip of from the coffee and he, cup. And he yeah. like tries to collect himself because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to break character. He says in a follow up interview, um, he did break character a couple times because David made him laugh. And uh, he, David Letterman apparently knew nothing about this, but he said he knew something was up the second Joaquin started talking, and he just assumed like this guy's fucking with me, and. Uh, he does say, actually, if you watch a follow-up interview he did like a year and a half later to promote the movie, there's a footage you didn't see in the late night show where when the interview's over, he takes his sunglasses off and he breaks character for like one second. And he shakes David Letterman's hand. And he realizes he did it and he quickly goes back into character and he said like Casey Affleck was so pissed at him yeah, for that because he's like, what are you doing? Because again, when he was in public, he was always this guy. Yes. And he said there were times he broke character, but... This is why people didn't know if it was fake or not. Because when he was out in public, he was always this character. Yes. This is method acting on another fucking level. Well, it's like level. The, the Andy Kaufman style. Very Andy Kaufman. Yes, that's a that's a that's a good. Where comparison. you don't know, like people don't know whether or not they should be laughing at it. Yes, that's what they're going for. And that interview is a perfect example of that because you never know whether to laugh. I mean, basically, the interview, I, I think you have to watch it to appreciate it, but, um, I mean, it's really, I mean, he says in the, the, the follow-up interview, he says, I came out here looking for a beating, you gave me a beating. Because he goes out there, every question he's just giving, like, a one-word answer to, uh, he knows nothing about the movie he's promoting, because he's just like, I didn't see it, I don't know what the clip is. And eventually, it gets very combative between them, because he goes, you know, you know the audience is just laughing at him uh what's he's his name? basically like what's so funny yeah and like uh like paul schaefer is it the band guy or whatever mm -hmm. he's laughing and he's like the fuck is up with the maniacal laughter like he's getting mad and at one point uh my favorite part was david letterman goes uh you know maybe sometime i'll come to your house and chew gum because he's chewing gum he takes it out and just puts it under the fucking desk <laughs> um so yeah the interview does not go well but it's interesting Seeing the interview out of context, it's like, wow, this is really entertaining. Seeing it in the context of the movie, watching it as, okay, this guy JP is a character. This is right after the Diddy meeting. He's falling apart. Yes, he's questioning everything. And this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Because after this, we see really his first self-aware moment in a while. Because when he's done with the interview, we see him backstage and he's just going like, oh, no. What have I done? And then we see him when he's driving away. He says, stop the car. And he starts crying. And he's like, why did he I... He goes into the woods and he starts screaming and freaking mm -hmm. out. He's like, my music sucks. I suck. Why did I ever say that I was quitting acting? I can't go back. I fucked everything up. So I think this is a break from his manicness. But we also see in the very next scene... He talks himself back into his manicness because who's he shitting on? Big Dick Anthony. Yes. The first to thing build, we see to build himself up. 
the first line we hear, because he says in the, when he's in the woods crying, he's like, I'm a joke. First thing he says to Anthony, I'm a joke? You're a fucking joke. And he tears into him uh, on another level. I mean, just shits all over him. And this is going from the scene where he's like, I fucked my life. I fucked my life up. And then uh, goes to Anthony. He's just shitting all over him. Anthony's taking it. We can tell these assistants are used to it. And then there's even a scene where he stops shitting on Anthony, goes into his room, comes back out, and starts shitting on him again. Gives him a non-apology. And starts asking him, what's your bit, dude? What's your bit? What do you got going on? He's like, I'm a passionate guy. Yeah, I yell, but I, you know, I had the acting. Now I got the rapping. What's your bit, dude? And then eventually he's just like, I hope one day you find a bit that's worthwhile, Anthony. Like, still just shitting on him, building himself up. Now after this, because Anthony doesn't get a fucking word in. Oh, and Joaquin mentions again, I'm gonna shit on your face. Which is appropriate because the next scene is Anthony in the middle of the night films himself taking a shit on JP's face. What do you think of this? Pure genius, dude. On Anthony's part? Yes. <laughs> so he shits on his face. Uh, Joaquin gets mad. <laughs> and, uh, Anthony it obviously. cuts leaves. to him in the bathroom. He's yeah. like, he beats him Freaking up. Out. Like, yeah. And uh, he's like, like hacking shit up, and he's freaking out. But again, uh, yeah. And Anthony says before he shits on his face, he goes, uh, "You want a bit? I'll give you a bit." Just so then we're back to this. Obviously, didn't help JP's confidence. He starts watching all the people making fun of him, including Ben Stiller at the Oscars. And again, this was all shit we were seeing. Yes. So a lot of these people making fun of him clearly did not know he was faking it. Yes. They were just like, we're just making fun of this guy losing crazy. his mind. Yeah, because that's what you do. Just like when Charlie Sheen lost his mind, you're like, or Mel Gibson. They're like, we just make fun of him. You know what I mean? Which could be a comment on celebrity culture itself, because it's like, if you're in the public eye, the second you don't have your shit together... You're a target. You know what I mean? They're all just going to step over you. Uh, then he gets a performance in Miami at the I'm club. I'm still here. Versus. Is this the name of the song? Oh, is that? Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, I have some shit to say, but I'm so, still here. So this was the, the, the name of the movie, too. We should say all he can get is a Wednesday night performance. And he goes, why Wednesday night? He's like, uh, his assistant, Larry, who's the only one left. All the other assistants are gone. Which, when he did his first performance, he had a whole group of people. And he was like, JP is all of us. Now he's just got fucking Larry on the fucking phone. Getting him Wednesday night performances in fucking Miami. He's like, no, no, no. It'll be a big crowd, dude. Don't worry. Uh, I will say, so he, yeah, he he goes out. Um, There's a great scene before this where we just hear the crowd it's literally just the camera moving on JP, like moving up and down. And this was in the trailer. And it's kind of showing like how dead inside he is. Like maybe he doesn't believe in this anymore. No. You know what I mean? The dream has came and went. Yeah. But coincidentally, 
when he goes out and he does this disaster show, the one fucking song he sings in this movie where I'm like, this is not bad. This could actually be a song. I'm still here. I thought it was pretty good. Did you? What? I mean, did you see any difference between that and his other shit? Uh, no, not really. Not for Re- me. Okay, maybe that's just me. But it, it, it was like... It had the best beat. It had the best lyrics. All I'm not saying it was mind-blowing. As well, well produced. I will say that much. That was the best produced, I'll say. And it had the best lyrics. What'd you think, Millhouse? I thought that, that, that was the best one. So I, you did have a feeling like yeah, I, well, I thought okay. that, that was the like the best producer. I'm not saying it was great. I'm yeah. saying like compared to what came before, it was the one that I heard where I'm like, all right, yeah, maybe. It was definitely the one that had some great lines, man. I'm still here through all these years. I don't fear. Don't even fear fucking fear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great lines, but the performance is a disaster. He ends up fucking. Literally, this guy's heckling him. He ends up, who is, we find out later, not in the movie, but I found out later, is an actor friend of his was heckling him. And he loses it. And he's like, uh, I got a million fucking dollars in the bank account. What the fuck you got? And he jumps into the crowd, fights this guy. They fight. And it was like a whole big thing whenever this happened, too. Yes, this was huge. This was on TMZ. This was everywhere Joaquin Phoenix jumps off stage gets into a fight in the crowd and this was I remember when this happened this was when I started to go which again to me it didn't matter if it was a hoax or not I loved it either fucking way this was the part where I went like this might be a performance art thing because him saying that it seemed like a very he was very purposely trying to get the crowd to turn on him being like, I got a million fucking dollars in the bank. What the fuck you got? You Which know is I mean? also very Andy Kaufman. Yes. Uh, and again, you know, a comment on celebrity culture. Because it's this guy who, who's like, I'm fucking real. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, at the end of the day, most of them just turn into that. You know what I mean? Where they're like, I'm fucking better than you. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, he gets in this fight. They have to fucking drag him to the bathroom so he can puke. Because he's clearly fucking high out of his mind. He pukes so the, a lot too, huh? He pukes a lot. Pukes a lot. Even but the the, inter, the interesting thing is his arm was up, and it was an interesting camera angle. You could tell that there was they were like using something like behind him because you couldn't fully see him. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I, what I noticed. I was like, "This is the puke is fake." Another small thing I noticed is when they were taking him to the bathroom, um, the camera at one point just pans over real quick and shows like puke on the on the floor and i mean that could be he puked before the show or something you know what i mean like he's been all fucked up this whole time so this is basically i mean after this jp's falling apart yes and then he heads home to see his dad in panama and after this, there's not a lot of talking. I mean, Larry says, uh, you know, we're going to go to a quiet place. Because, I, I mean, Joaquin's imploded. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had this one shot. The dream is dead. The dream is dead or almost dead. You know what I mean? He just knows he has to recalibrate. So it goes to Panama. I mean, we see a lot of beautiful shots. There's a, a very heartbreaking scene. It's not even a scene. It's really just a few seconds of him sitting quietly with his dad. And we can tell his dad's kind of disappointed in him, but neither of them say anything. And then Joaquin is back 
at the watering hole we saw at the beginning of the movie as a kid, which life coming full circle and mountaintop water drop. We basically see him. He takes his shirt off. He starts swimming, doing all this and stuff. It, this is a long scene, him going Very long. Because it, it it's like one continuous shot of him walking into this stream. He goes, his feet, he's wearing, you know, pants. And it, one it goes, leg pulled up too high. He, you know? One leg's pulled up too high. And he's just starting to go into the water. And it's just following him as he's walking through. Well, yeah, that's after he does the swimming. Then we just see him walking. And that takes forever. Yeah. And my thought was when I was watching that, because there's very emotional music playing. And I, to be honest, like rewatching this again, I watched it as a movie. I watched it as Walking Phoenix as a character. And maybe it makes me sound stupid to think like this hoax movie is um, like an actual emotional film, but it was like I was on this journey with him and I felt bad for him, but they stay on him so long that I was like, this is either them being really emotional or they're towing the line of satire a little bit too, which I, I mean, they would probably never confirm or deny. Yeah. They probably like towing the line of satire all the time. But yeah, we just see him walking in this water, in this jungle. As he goes through, it goes like up to his shins, then it goes He's up getting to deeper his and waist. deeper. Yep. And then eventually it gets to the end and he just he goes under. He goes under and then the movie ends, which do you think this is a hopeful ending or not? I think that it is not hopeful but it's not bad either it goes back to the mountain drop water or the mountaintop water drop thing mountaintop water drop because it's a, a full a full cycle it's an experience mm, and this is the experience ending this is the this experience ending oh, very good edward james olmus what do you think there sweetie pie millhouse i think when he goes under that it could be considered like rebirth yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because he's finishing like this it, it experience be, yeah, He's finishing it, so it's rebirth. Yeah. Back into what he was doing, acting. I I have kind of the same opinion. I took it as like it could be 50-50, good or bad. This could be the end of everything for him. Or it could be this is what he had to do from the beginning. Like Because at the beginning, he talks so much about being real and finding his way and stuff but he doesn't understand how lost in celebrity in the modern world he is and it's like going to the literal jungle and getting literally lost is going to fix him being mentally lost you know what i mean that yeah, could be it This podcast is produced to you by Taylor Miller.